Welcome to the 42nd edition of the Guna podcast, recorded on a, on a Monday evening between the 2-2 home draw with Everton and the visit to Bolton Wanderers. Our sponsors are... Gunashirts.com Yes, Gunashirts.com, if you didn't understand that singing translation. The ideal website for all your unofficial Arsenal t-shirt needs. I'm your host, Joe Broadfoot, and here's this evening's panel, starting with the man whose love life is worthy of a podcast all of its own, Mr. David Udo. Uh, hello, listeners. And secondly, currently in training for the London Marathon, <coughs> discussing regions of the body that certain beers cannot reach, we, we have here with us Mark Ollington. Hello, everyone. And finally, our esteemed Guna editor and sometime published author, Mr. Kevin Witcher. Hello, everybody out there in Pod World. Yes, and these people in Pod World, they want to know about postponed games. So, who fancies talking about that? Um, postponed matches? Should the Bolton game have been called off? Mark was irate according to the uh, internet web portal known as Facebook. Oh, really? <laughs> Heart, heartbroken. <laughs> I, I was indeed. I mean, because imagine it. Everyone's at work, complaining, whinging about the snow coming down. I thought, it's going to be great. I'm watching the game in the snow. What was going to be way exciting. Walk up to the ground, make a snowman, throw a snowball at someone, walk into the stadium, chill the atmosphere, but you all get, you know, jump up, up and down, go crazy. Yet, after all my excitement, three hours before the match, I get some email or some text from the club, the game's off. I was disheartened. Disheartened, Joe. But it was a little bit naughty on the away fans. I mean, we shouldn't really be complaining. I mean, well, they might have made that, that, that trip to London. I mean, perhaps that's what they wanted, really. good enough no, to uh, refund the travel expenses of the Bolton fans. All I would say to that <sighs> is that I recommend any, uh, any Arsenal fan who started their journey and paid money to do so to write to the club and say... Me too. I mean, obviously, you'll need to send in receipts, but uh, in principle, um, the club should honour those as well. Could they refund airfares, though? Because there's going to be people coming from all over the world to see Arsenal. Well, what if they were Bolton fans? Mm. In, in theory, they should. You know, they mm. said they would. So, um, <laughs> it's difficult to know what they'll do. But uh, the long and short of it is a lot of people had paid for their tickets who were never going to make that game. So it comes down to a decision of, do you say to those people, tough, or do you reschedule it to a time when they can make it? Um, and in all fairness, given that the last train out of Victoria was, was before 8.30 that evening, uh, it was a pretty extreme set of circumstances. Now, whether or not Victoria should have been running trains later is a completely different debate. But given that people probably wouldn't have been able to get home easily... You know, in fairness, I think the right decision was made. So, David, what, what about the legal perspective? I mean, who's responsible for what happens outside of the ground? 
Um, is it the club or...? Uh, the the property that the club owns, uh, and, and this is a distinction Arsenal have over a lot of other grounds, is that they, they do own their ground outright. I mean, Manchester City rent their ground from the local city council, for example. Um, the ground that Arsenal is, is, is their liability, the public thoroughfares and highways around the ground, uh, Drayton Park, uh, Blackstock Road and Gillespie Road and uh, Queensland Road and, and the areas just off Holloway Road are the responsibility of the council. Um, I mean, speaking with friends of mine who work in personal injury, um, you actually get, uh, across the Premier League clubs, there are between five and ten uh, personal injury claims every single week, wow. uh, whether that's May, June, July, um, you know, January, February, March, for people who have fallen over at football grounds. And by all accounts, clubs settle out of court for somewhere between £1,000 and £2,000 a time, thanks to Injury Lawyers for You and other such nefarious mm. websites. Um, uh, when you multiply that by 60,000 people who we struggle to get in and out of the ground on a, a May sunny afternoon, uh, you know, five o'clock on a Saturday, you add to that, you know, there's not, there's not many trains running. Um, there are people skidding about all over the place anyway. The, the area is just too small to contain 60,000 people. Uh, it's a minefield. It's a minefield. The only decision that they could have made from a, from a health and safety point of view is to call off the game. And by all accounts, by four o'clock, uh, the undersaw heating couldn't do anything about the pitch. So. But how is it Spurs getting away with that kind of thing? Because they've, they've had a lot of unrest outside the ground. For instance, when Sol Campbell went on the Arsenal bus um, to White Hart Lane, it was all kind of shenanigans going on. Well, going I think that's supporters attacking um, supporters. But why are they not responsible for that? Well, because you can't actually name them to issue them with uh, a writ. Mm. I mean, you know, you've got to identify the person who's done the damage. Now, if they've chucked a bottle and you've been cut on the head... Um, you know, you're going to have trouble catching them. Uh, obviously, if they were caught, chances are a they'd be criminally uh, prosecuted, but also you'd have the opportunity to claim for any injury you had. So it's a completely different situation. But other clubs have have had um, had uh, issues with the FA over that kind of thing. You know, the possibility of having the the ground closed down. I mean, obviously Tottenham got away with that, but obviously that's another issue. But Coming back to this this whole business of cancelling games or postponing games, should I say? Um, what about the fixture pileup? What what? How do you think that's going to affect um, the title challenge? Because we can call it that now, can't we? We can, and I think um, Saturday's game, as fun as it was, because I did really enjoy getting to finally watch a game in the snow. And second half, it was all kind of coming down. I thought it was brilliant, mm. and I, I've probably had so much fun at a football game in a long time. So you didn't regret it at all, the result? Well, I think that our players again, can't perform in in the snow, perhaps. Going back to your question, though, I think in a way, even though a draw at home against Everton is not a particularly great mm. result, didn't Chelsea get exactly the same result against Everton at home? And um, we can't obviously play well every single game mm. I'd rather got one of those two games out of the way being three points off the lead as it was now obviously Saturday's a different kind of fish and it's a different story and we'll like, debate it later it was a poor performance but at the end of the day we got a point from it I'm glad the game went ahead like I got to see a game in the snow and that was brilliant and um, mm-hmm. yeah I think play games whenever you can and get them over and done with and out of the way definitely and who knows if you play more of these matches Menga might put out a decent team in the FA Cup you but, never know. Is it just me? But every time the weather's bad, I fear for the result. Um, well, it's the unfortunate thing about having a team filled with young South Americans. I mean, hmm. um, I mean, there just isn't much in the way of snow unless you're that high above sea level, and you know, we don't have any Bolivians. Um, I mean, I think the last time people 
like Carlos Vela saw that much one white powder in one place at the same time probably <laughs> wasn't anywhere near a football pitch. Um, but I mean, as I sort of intimated in, in in my match report that I did for Maxim this morning. Um, I didn't particularly want to be at the game on Saturday, but then again, I pay £1,258 a season to have the privilege of deciding whether or not. Mm. These guys are paid employees and very handsomely paid employees. And the least, I'm ex- least I think I'm entitled to is then to turn up and try and run. But there were, there were four or five players in that team on Saturday who took one look at the conditions and thought, I really don't fancy this. And it would be unfair for me to point fingers at, at Eduardo or name names. Um, but, you know, there, there are some players who just thought, nah, not. Not for me. It I mean, wasn't our Shavin's day. best day either, and a lot of people said. What's interesting there is that um, Wenger was very keen to play a against uh, Bolton on Wednesday and then against Everton. I mean, I think he he obviously maybe doesn't know his players. If 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 we think that the conditions did have a direct effect on their performance, um, and in that case, I mean, if he thought differently and realised that maybe they wouldn't actually be that good against the elements, as it were. Arsenal could have called that game up on Saturday. They could have used this um, because there are plenty of free midweeks. Okay, that's a bit of a myth at the moment that there'd be nowhere to play these games. We'd run into trouble if the next two weekends uh, are postponements. But at the moment, there's plenty of free midweeks. Arsenal could put, put play matches. So there is a thought that says, yeah, okay, we want to get these games out of the way. But if he delayed, maybe we'd have a team in which we might have had Cesc Fabregas, might have had Alexandra Song, might have had Bentner back. You know, been able to put out a better team against the likes of, of Everton. I mean, he wanted to play against Bolton. You know, Wenger would have loved to play that game. But I, I think circumstances were just... I mean, they just got too much in the end. I was actually at the stadium on Wednesday afternoon when the snow was coming down. Um, and the, the the bottom line was they had a few people out there trying to clear the snow with shovel, which became a completely pointless exercise because the snow kept coming down. So it was like paying the fourth bridge. They were never going to make it safe. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's the reason it was called off. Ultimately, it was, the, it was the conditions outside the ground. And as David has said, there was snow on the pitch, which... I think could have been melted. You know, I think you just put the under soil heating on absolutely full whack and it ends up melting it. You get a bit of a wet pitch, but uh, I think the game could have been played if it was just to do with the pitch. But um, the the annoying thing for me was that 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 heavy snow that did arrive on Wednesday afternoon was forecast. It wasn't a surprise to anybody, and if that's caused the game to be called off they should have made that decision 
at 10 o'clock in the morning when they knew it was on the way. Um, or we could have designed the ground differently and made it like the Millennium Stadium where it kind of closes up the roof. Yeah, <laughs> well, it doesn't, 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 doesn't help the concourses outside. No, that's true, that's true. Um, but, I mean, I, 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 if we'd not played on Saturday, there's time to play that game again with a stronger team and we might have won that game. Yeah, you say that, though. The team that played on Saturday should have won that game, really. And the fact they didn't, you know, isn't probably the team that went out there. I know you said we have people at Fabregas not playing, but you can't cancel it just because of those reasons. You, expect you, you don't, you don't cancel home. it, you take advantage of the situation. Mm. You I mean, say, OK, we've got an opportunity here to, to turn the, the tide slightly in our favour. You know, I mean, I'm sure Chelsea didn't lose any sleep over not playing at Hull without drug Burnessian. Um, I'm sure they were highly delighted that game was called off. Yeah, but I don't hold any truck with this notion that, you know, the players, as it's a bit cold and from South America, didn't show up. I mean, the game against Villa, even though it didn't snow, was absolutely freezing. The West Ham match was mm. just as cold as the game was, you mm. know, on like, Saturday. Really, snow was coming down the second half. But the first half, when we were really poor, I mean really poor that first half hour, the conditions weren't any worse than Villa or West Ham. But how do you explain some of the... Um Trips up north, for instance, the northwest in particular. Every time we have a trip to the northwest, I always fear we we're going to lose. It's a myth now. I think this season our trip. I know we have won better. a few games, but I mean, if you look at it, I haven't looked at it statistically. I have to confess. I don't think we've lost but, at the Reebok Stadium for about four or five years, and that's mm. the stick that's always used to beat us. Yeah, yeah Arsenal, that's true. That's Arsenal true. lose at Bolton. Mm. Um, I, I, I think it's an attitude thing with these players. I mean, how do you motivate twenty-one-year-old millionaires who never have to work again? I mean, it's a, it's been a bugbear of mine forever. Um, I like as I, as I mentioned earlier, I've got no problem with with our players not being good enough if they want to be there and mm. they run their fucking hearts out. But there, there are players patently not trying on Saturday. I mean, I, I can only think the mysterious injury in inverted commas that Danielson went down with was was. You know, rigor mortis maybe, um, as as the guy just didn't do anything. I mean, okay, he scored the first goal, but he didn't really. Leon Osman's arse did. Um, the, the other South Americans, Eduardo and, and, and Vela. I've never looked someone, never seen someone so unhappy to be coming on as a substitute in a Premier League game as Carlos Vela on, on, on Saturday. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay, I'll go on if you want, boss. But yeah. you know. You're taking off one slightly fat, out of form, left-footed South American, and you're bringing me on, um, mm. slightly overweight, <laughs> left-footed, out of form South American. See, gracias. I wish I could argue with you, but on Danielson, I can slightly. He's not my favourite player by any means, but the way he went down, I, I actually thought, yeah, he has suffered a real injury here. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Nobody seems to know what it is. Um, any ideas out there? I was slightly worried, but you see the manager's comments in the press this morning, which was, uh, well, uh, so, uh, he was interviewed and asked, so what's wrong with Danielson? And he said, well, he, he said by all accounts, like a stroppy dad who's seen their son cry off with mm. uh, you know, a runny bum on a football pitch. So where he was walking when we got back to the changing room, I don't know, maybe it's the intercostal industry. I told him, next time if you do that, handle the... King ball. Yeah. You know, I mean, the manager's not impressed. And, you know, um, bearing in mind, Danielson, must, along with the Bowie and Almunia, is one of these players who obviously has a picture of Arsene Wenger in a rather compromising situation with a goat, as that's the only mm. possible reason to explain their continued runs in the first team. Um, you know, if he's one of his favourites has you know, led him to ire, then, you know, that, that's, that's good enough for me. Do you think Wenger might get in trouble for those comments, though, about no. suggesting foul play? 
No. It's quite unusual for a manager to, to, to actually come out and say that, though, in public, particularly on the official website. I mean, I'm, re I'm really trying to think of a, of a similar example. But I if he said something one. about a referee, he might get in trouble, but comments like that aren't going to be taken with any gravity. But he's, he's, he's actually advocating foul play, and that's, that's quite rare. Well, I, I think it's, it's, it's like... I hope he does get away chip, with it, by the way. That goes without saying. Tomorrow's chip wrapper, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think a lot will be made of that. Well, it, we, if he said it in the interview after, after the match of day highlights, then maybe it would have been picked up on a bit more. Yeah, there's, mm. we, we operate in a, in a world of justice by Sky Sports News and match of the day in this country as far as football is concerned. And, mm. you know, for a myriad of reasons, the, uh, they're continuing talk of the big freeze and postponements. Uh, postponements the awful events in Angola last Friday with the Togolese national team. Now on Sky Sports, Jeff Selling here. We managed to get hold of Emmanuel Adebayor for some exclusive words in the wake of the terrorist attack on the Togolese national squad in Angola. Emmanuel, are you on the line? Yes, thank you, Jeff. I was going to run the length of the bus to celebrate in front of the Gunners, but I didn't want to risk the football authorities trying to book at me again. Arsene Wenger advocating handball is, as Kez says, it's not even chip paper, it's, it's dispatches. It's not a news story. I mean, if he'd done it straight after the game on Saturday, you know, two all, Arsenal drop points at home, uh, Arsenal, what's your reaction? It's sour grapes when you encourage my papers, uh, my players to cheat. That's when you've got a story. But, um, mm. you know, it's, uh, nothing will come So maybe it. because of the timing then you'll, yeah, you'll get exactly away with that. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, a weird, it's a weird thing in football. You know, you can go in over the ball knee high mm. on a player and the referee will give you the benefit of the doubt and you might get a yellow card or even just a stern talking to. But you call that referee a wanker and you'll be sent off in a heartbeat. <laughs> It's interesting, uh, talking about the Sky Sports um, agenda, that uh, once um, one of our website pieces actually created a story, uh, which was picked up uh, by the media, when I speculated that Cesc Fabregas had got a booking, so that a uh, very soft booking, but one you know he didn't have to give away, so that he would miss uh, an insignificant game through his uh, five, five bookings suspension and be back in time for a more um, important one. And that was carried by, um, ultimately, by Sky Sports News and some of the national press. <laughs> it does um, make a lot of sense to do that, though. I mean, well, the manager that, I mean, football is a cynical yeah. game, and, mm. and sometimes the players use it for their own ends, such as Alexander Hleb in his final season, who really knew he was going in the summer and didn't want to play the last three matches. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he got oh, the most pointless booking ever. Mm. Uh, four matches from the end, so mm. that he would get a pretty much ban. And... Um, I mean, sometimes managers tell the players to do it, sometimes the players will just do it for their own ends, such mm. as David Beckham for England once not wanting to go to Kazakhstan uh, or somewhere. Yeah, against Wales, got a bookie against Wales, um, so he didn't have to go. You know, I mean, there's a lot that goes on in football, which is uh, pretty cynical. Well, moving on from cynical to the transfer window, it's a bit of a jump, I know, but <laughs> had to do it at some point. Good afternoon, Arsene, and thanks for coming. It's okay, Monsieur Gazidis. When the CEO wants to see me, I am always happy to meet with you. Now, can I have some more money? I want to give Michael Silvestre a contract extension. Uh, that's kind of the reason I wanted to speak with you, Arsene. We do have money for you, but we wondered if you thought of maybe spending some of it on buying a couple of players that would help us to win something. I could uh, use it to give Emmanuel Ebui a wage hike. I think you're slightly missing the point, Arsene. The 
current players being paid extremely well from what I can see. We were just thinking that you could spend this extra money we've received from Manchester City in a slightly different way. Uh, how you say, Patrice? He's having a loft extension built at his house. Perhaps he could use a little extra? Okay, um... Let me take you back to last year, Arsene. Remember, I arrived in this job at the beginning of January, and after you spent the whole month telling me how good your players were, you finally resented at the last minute and let me buy you Andre Arshavin. Oh, we are. I mean, uh, yes. In fact, it was so last minute, we had to go out to get the guy at the Premier League to change the time on their fax machine, so it was running an hour behind. Uh, we, I mean, yes, another imaginative use of club funds. It was snowing then too, and we had to call a game off. It's all getting a bit repetitive now, isn't it? Yes, and so is the danger of our not winning anything, unless you start writing cheques for decent players. Time for a couple more, like Andre. I'm telling you, we've got the money, but you have to stop using it to pay some of the current guys quite so much. What do you mean? You think Carlos Velez is worth 60000 a week? You, you haven't, have you? I have the paperwork right here, ready for you to sign. Well, I've had a look at the wage bill, and I'm of the opinion that the sums you are spending is not actually providing what I call value for money when it comes to many of our current squad arsene so i want you to stop giving rises to the players and start investing in experienced and proven talent via the transfer market sacre bleu i know you are fairly new to this job but you have to realize who is in charge of this club who makes the decisions and who's won nothing for four years in spite of us asking our fans to cough up the highest admission prices in world football Next time we meet, I want a list of quality transfer targets. We're not paying your scouting system to uncover any more Danielsons. Close the door on your way out, thanking you. Mon dieu, my beautiful creation, these philistines they would never understand. Youth must conquer all. My team will rule the world. I believe in my boys. Thank you, Arson. Miss Johnson, can you get Mr. Hiddink on the line? As it's January, everyone's talking about who we might bring in, who we might not, and uh, at the moment it looks like mostly might not. I mean, who would you like Arsenal to buy? I think really, people talk about strikers, and but that's kind of, we are the top scorers in the league. The only position we need to fit in is a keeper. And obviously, I know Dave wants to talk about so I'm not looking at <laughs> But seriously, the only position I really worry about is a keeper. Yes, Van Persie's out, mm. perhaps a striker, but I'm not sure who. But what worries me more than anything else is that everything does come from the in-back and the fear in our defensive eyes whenever that fall gets the ball. I mean, I'm not one to really slag off players in the club. Danielson, I actually quite like him. I think David's a bit hard on the old chap. But when I look at our number one, I fear. Do you want to take over from this point, Dave? I mean, we need a new keeper, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the squad when everybody's fit, which is something that you only, anyone only ever really gets to do maybe in the first week of pre-season training, until Abu Diaby comes along, bless him. Um, Abu, he's well, playing very well. No, 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 he is. He's playing as well as he's ever going to play. I'm going back to the point at the start of the pre-season training when Wenger said to him, right, Abu, I want you to be harder in the ch- in the tackle this year. First thing he does, snap Nasri's leg in half. Like that, boss. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like that, Abu. <laughs> kind of like that. Uh, no, I'll, I'll go and keep in situations where because when everybody's fit... Um, you know, we've got two decent centre-halves. We've got a decent selection of full-backs. 
we've got um, the widest selection of five foot four to five foot seven inch inside forwards in mainland and and con- and uh, and Icelandic Ila- I- Europe. Um, we have a decent selection of centre forwards, but um, we have a paucity in the goalkeeping department. Um, How about Fabianski? Because some people, and I'm not included in this, some people say Fabian- Fabianski is the, the answer. Man- if the manager is not going to buy a goalkeeper, and if funds are limited, and you know, fuck only knows what the left hand's telling the right hand to go over the road, um, if funds are limited, the manager thinks he's got bigger fish to fry. Uh, he's, he's stubborn, he's arrogant, but he's not stupid. He knows he, he, knows he needs cover at centre-half, as Sylvester and or Gallas will leave in the summer, and we only have Johan Giroud to come back. Uh, he knows he needs to strengthen the centre-half department. Um, he, he knows we need maybe one more body in the midfield, and he's considering an extra centre-forward. But as, as far as the goalkeeper's concerned, I, I don't think it's a huge priority for him, as it's something he thinks he can muddle on with. And if he's going to do that, it, 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 it's a surprising thing. He was very, very quick to drop Jens Lehmann on the back of two errors. Two howlers, admittedly, but two mm. errors. But... Um, Mamal Amuni made four errors, four glaring fundamental goalkeeping errors in Saturday's game. He was at fault for both goals. Yeah, I agree um, with that. There was a cross that, that came into the box, which he, he ran to his ran beyond his back post to get, got halfway and thought, well, hang on, um, I'm not going to get there. Header goes back across. It was only the presence of Vermaelen on the goal line that stopped us from going 2-0 down. Um, and his, uh, the pièce de résistance... Um, <laughs> when uh, there's no communication between the goalkeeper and his defenders, whose co- whose confidence in him is completely shot. Armand Traoré is being tracked by Stephen Pienaar, goes to hammer the ball out of touch and does so successfully. Almunia has already decided he's going for the ball, and then after our having made three substitutions and are already having three left backs injured, decides to kick Traoré about ten feet in the air. The guy is brain dead. He is shot of confident, even when fully fit and confident. He has not the requisite quality to be a Premier League goalkeeper and after having done an assessment of the other goalkeepers in the league with the exception of Brian Jensen at Burnley I would take any other goalkeeper from any other club what about last season last season he was good no he wasn't I disagree I disagree as well he was adequate last season and when you go on the interweb as I did today to look at how many games he's played before he came to Arsenal I thought what was his career what did this guy really do he didn't have 12 a career, games his entire career got loaned mm. out to clubs yeah. here there, he's everywhere. a Spanish goalkeeper who's never played a single match in Primera Liga He's, he's, he was a well. We took him in exchange for the money that I think it was Chelsea Vigo owed us for Silvino. Um, and despite having been at Chelsea Vigo for four years, he spent four years on loan at, at Segunda Liga, second division clubs. Mm. The guy had never played top flight football. He's been playing very many games. Those clubs actually. So why is Wenger playing choice? him? I mean, this is the thing. I, I really I know haven't worked that one out that. now. But surely you used to say say there, Dave, that it's not on Wenger's ra- radar. Do we know that? Is he definitely not going to buy a keeper? Uh, is that the word from the club? From the inside? Well, he's, frightens me, he's, he's got three young goalkeepers on long-term contracts. Well, we've, we've got lots of fucking young players on long-term <laughs> contracts, as, as the club enjoys telling us. And Chesney um, Hawks is obviously the one for the future. Well, the well I mean, they're the guys pulling up trees left, right and centre mm. at Brentford. Every club in the Championship wants him on loan, by all accounts. Mm. Um, it's hard to argue with him, because every time I've seen him, he's, he's good. Made his international debut mm. at the age of 18, which for a goalkeeper is phenomenal. Mm. Um... He's won first team game against West Brom. He didn't let anybody down for an 18-year-old. Mm. I thought looked, looked quite cocksure in goal. Mm. Um, the Spanish waiter is another element of Wenger's experiment that's failed. Uh, the guy can't distribute. He can't catch. He makes the wrong decisions every time. But what is Wenger thinking of? Why did, why did he put in a 
you know, a substandard goalkeeper. Because really, even I, me, I, even though I, I, re- I, I would say he had a decent season last in the last campaign, this season has been the, awful. I He's believe the manager has favourites in the squad that he overrates. He simply overrates. Mm, I yeah. think Amuni is one of them. I think the Nielsen's one of them. Despite my, my protestations, wishes and desires to the country, I think Theo Walcott is one of them. Um, I, I think he sees more in, in players than is actually there. Yeah. So transfers then, Kev, who do you think we will get? Anyone? Well, I mean, uh, it does look like Sol Campbell is a likely free signing. Um, Why is he taking so long over it? Because we could have signed him 1st of January. Is he training at the moment with Arsenal? Has he been Apparently, for the last few so. Months? Apparently so. He's keeping his hand in by training with Arsenal. But um, I don't see the sense in the delay. He could have played against Everton. And the thing I'm trying to work out is why Arsene Wenger has delayed bringing him on board if that's indeed what he wants to do. I think there's do. another centre-half that he wants. And I think he's going after him. And he's going to wait and see how that pans out. I mean, there's been talk of the... Um, it's not Heitinger, I think it's Hang Tyson at uh, Ajax, mm. who Boyle accounts he likes, who, who is a, he's a, he's a grown-up, he's a big shithouse, he's 6'2", <laughs> he looks like a proper centre-half, he's a good player, and I think Benga might be after him, there's, there's word that Christian Shibu's leaving uh, Internazionale, who's an excellent centre-half, the rumours about Philippe Mexes will persist until the cows come home, um, and I, I think Giorgio uh, uh, Chiellini is another one at Juve, at Juve. I think Benga will use Campbell as his last ditch saloon. And Arsenal being Arsenal, if they can save £25,000, they'll wait until midnight on the 1st of February. But if he waits until midnight on the 1st of February, he might end up missing out. It's happened before. Mm. It wouldn't be the first time. Ask Chabby Alonso about that. (laughs) I mean, it's... I mean, Wenger does treat the club's money as if it is his own. Uh, He's actually obsessed with value. Hence, he will negotiate until the last minute as far as who, who we're going to buy I, I don't even think about it now to be honest I, I just think <laughs> we've got this huge scouting network there's enough bloody players out there you can't find I mean Wenger's argument is it, unless he can improve the existing squad he will not buy well I'm sorry but you're telling me that these are the best players that we that, that are available um, that the, no one who we can get is going to improve things that's cloud cuckoo land stuff I'm hoping that it's early well relatively early Jan- January it's the 11th I think today and that um, you know it's just a matter of dotting a few I's and crossing a few T's and that suddenly the money we've got from Manchester City will be used um, the only thing I would say is if for any reason it isn't then Wenger's basically opened himself up to a lot of criticism if things don't work out this season because everyone can see the squad is not deep enough You know, there's no illusion about that the, we're missing certain types of players already we've we've lost three players effectively at the moment who are key and obvious first team starters that's uh, Song Fabregas and Van Persie the squad isn't deep enough to compensate for their absence so go out and buy three fucking players who can do the job adequately and why not bring in somebody on a free I mean we've still got to cover the wages but we it's by implication we're saying we can't even compete with Notts County well, no, the, the, reality, the reality is that Wenger has got at least £30 million now. 
he will get more for the summer. He doesn't have to save this money for the summer. He's got 30 million now for transfers and uh, the first six months of wages of any incoming players. Now, basically, you're talking about uh, two players of the Eduardo, Bakary, Sanya, maybe one, one Bakary, Sanya, and one Arshibin for that kind of money. You know, a couple of decent players who people will have heard of who, who are going to improve the squad. And the one thing the team needs now is an injection of experience, been there, seen it, bought the T-shirt, talent, that it's lacking. Because you've got to remember, most of these players have never won anything. You know? And the, that is such an important facet of uh, a footballer's psychology when it gets down to the business end of things. And we saw it last season um, in the two semi-finals which were almost humiliating to me the way we lost them um, against Chelsea and Manchester United we needed more older heads than those, than, than well we had our Shavin on the bench for the Chelsea game well that's another example can open worms everywhere <laughs> yeah. the thing is though but do you really think winning the FA Cup is going to have any kind of bearing at all into a title running yes it because it? it is a trophy but it's not winning that first trophy Matters. It convinces the players psychologically that they have it within them to win when it matters. I think it takes more in a player's psychology to come further forth in the league than it does to win the FA Cup. I don't think winning the FA Cup have, have any bearing whatsoever on, on a total challenge. Because it's so de- devalued, it's worth so little. And when fans talk about, oh, but we haven't won a trophy in four or five years, bullshit. Coming third or fourth is a trophy in all but, but name. And the FA Cup cannot compare to coming third or fourth anymore. It, Fans have to put it on this pedestal and say, it's a great thing, it's brilliant tradition, it's the FA Cup, it's the trophy. It's not anymore. It might be because the ITV got the right thing, I want to hype it up. But it is so pointless what it actually gives you anymore, entry into, into two Bob Europa League. It has no benefit or no worth anymore. So when people say, but it's a trophy... Is it? I really in 1987, Arsenal won the League Cup. But that meant to me then, though, Kev. That right, well, you know, then. what is meaning? I mean, we're getting into semantics here, but I believe when you see the big teams win the FA Cup, it's all part of the package, mm. you know. It's, it's, yes, we're winners, and we'll also win the league, you know. We, I mean, the problem with Arsenal now is that they've limited their chances of winning competitions down to two trophies instead of four. And frankly, I don't think we're in a position to be that choosy. But I think, that, say four or five years ago, I would say yes to you then, but I think as each year goes by, the FA Cup becomes less and less and less. I don't like it. As a kid, I said, love the FA Cup. I was, you know, it's my favourite game of the season. It, the game is now less watched than the average Premier League game. It put now means diddly squat. And teams like Tottenham, Aston Villa, Man City... Their fans would kill to come fourth in the league and have a swap it for an FA Cup win any day of the week. It's no coincidence that none of them have won the FA Cup for many years. And that's the point. They're not winners. Now, if they started winning the FA Cup, then they might actually get into the Champions League finishing positions. I, I don't, me personally, I don't think there's any bearing whatsoever. I really don't. And when you spoke, you know, you spoke about you know, what team would Wenger put out against West Ham, I was hoping for them kids. I don't think all fans came. I know you made a point in one of your editorials saying fans would be really gutted if he puts out a U team and, go, and goes out. There's plenty of fans in my camp 
that don't see it worth bothering with because we think, and uh, not because we don't love the tradition of football and know what FA Cup stands for, it used to be brilliant, but the big money men and the powers that are be have devalued the cup competitions. It's now got to the point where it means very, very little. And when you have teams in the championship putting out weakened teams in the FA Cup, you have teams like you know Norwich putting out a like, youth team, why should I take it seriously as a football Yeah, it does um, make a mockery of it. It does. But James at the same James time... Down. I remember that yeah. back page, I think it was a back page around the papers. I think it was Wigan had about 10 people in. saying, so, you know, And you look at the FA Cup now, attendance is at rock bottom. Mm. All teams put out weekend. It's not just Arsenal. It's teams across the Premier League and Championship put out youth teams practically or players here. Yeah, there. teams and like Wolves, for instance, they might so do if they, if, it. So if all these teams can't take it seriously, why as a fan should I take it seriously? Well, I mean, the, the, the reason that the a lot of teams do rest players is because the finances of the game have changed and that getting into the Premier League is absolutely everything and staying in the Premier League is absolutely everything because of the money Okay, but what I will say to you is this look at the teams that won the FA Cup now there's an exception which is Pompey but other than that they're all teams in the, if you go back the last 15 years who have been in the Champions League as well so there is a correlation going on it's the mentality of being a winner whatever team you do put out but at the same time you've got to put a team out that is capable of winning the thing with the right attitude and even if they are backup players and sometimes you know I mean beggars can't be choosers you know if Arsenal were winning the Champions League and the Premier League on a regular basis I would agree with you yeah fine let's just sacrifice the FA Cup but we haven't won any of those for so long, or we never won the Champions League, that really, really we need to look at it in a bit more short term and just turn some of these existing players into winners. And the FA Cup is a good opportunity to do that. It certainly was a great opportunity to do it last April when we played Chelsea in the semi-final. So you, I, I think we should take the competition credibly. I don't mind fielding a very slightly weakened team in the earlier rounds. What's your feeling about the team against West Ham, Kev? Was that strong enough for you? Because mm. the whole back four was practically there. You had kind of like players on the bench that were quite strong to come on and change the game if need be, which actually happened. Yeah, I mean, I think um, that was almost almost good enough. Um, as it turned out, we got away with it in the end. Um, but I'm fear for what we're going to put out in the next round against Stoke because obviously we've got the Villa game midweek after that and I suspect Wenger will make a very conscious decision that uh, you know, this this tournament for this season has served its purpose So he's going to sacrifice the FA Cup in other words yeah, but My question to you and both is I remember after the Chelsea game when we thought that's it league titles were blown no chance whatsoever and in which case I think my view might be slightly, slightly, slightly tempered I mean I do honestly believe that the money men have ruined the FA Cup. But having said that, if we had no chance of a league whatsoever, hell, it's better than the night, the night nothing. We did have no chance of a league then. Well, exactly. What we were, what uh, we're talking about was, was, could we finish third? Exactly, but what I'm saying now is, is that at this point in time, my question to you both is, we're now three points off the M league, and we've got a good chance, not a brilliant chance, but there's a decent chance of winning the league. Would you sacrifice that to win the FA Cup? Well, what? as long as the fixtures are working out, then you play a strong team until it gets to the time when 
actually you do need to think about the immediately the game immediately afterwards. Now Wenger would argue that's that is going to be the Villa game. Um, frankly, I think I'd save that kind of decision until later in the season. But just for now, let's keep momentum going. Let's try and win every game we play, and let's play a very strong team at Stoke. Let's just get through, and if if we need to, then we can sacrifice the thing later on, when you know other things are obvious priorities. But last season, the Champions League semi-final was ten days after the FA Cup semi-final. All we were doing in the Premier League was hoping uh, for some distant thread that we might get third instead of fourth. Um, the final of the FA Cup would have been after the Champions League final. It would have been absolutely no distraction at all if we'd qualified. And yet, Wenger played uh, a team without Andre Arshavin and without Alexandra Song, who was also in form at the time, for reasons which have never properly been explained. The point is, I mean, the current team lacks medals, basically, and Patrick Vieira was, was up for grabs. Manchester City got him, obviously. Um, what do you what do you think about him. that? Didn't need him. I've I've given my my, my reasons. I'd, I'd but you don't like Danielson. Uh, no, but, no, but I, I don't like Danielson for that because much. he served. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Don't like Danielson. <laughs> at all. Um, he serves no purpose. He's not a defensive midfield player, and he can't pass the ball forward. He's the only rugby player Brazilian I've ever seen in my life. It's quite ridiculous. Um, we don't need Patrick Vieira. I mean, the reasons I gave previously were number one. It's not the twenty-six-year-old Patrick Vieira who was captain of Arsenal. But who, we could have um, got him on loan, though. Um, I mean, financially... It but we been... don't need him, Joe. This is yeah. not the point I'm trying to make. We don't, we don't, don't need Patrick here. He's not the 26-year-old... Just like to see him he's, sitting he's... on the bench would be nice. Well, well I'll tell you what, Joe, go home now. He's, he's, on, he's on the bench at Man City Blackburn tonight. He's, he's injured. Well, he's sitting behind the bench, then. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, no, we didn't need Patrick Vieira. He's 34 years old, his knees don't work, he's got no pace for his game whatsoever. Everyone says he's the man to replace Alexander Song. And when he's good is, in when, the when dressing room. When has Alexander... He's good in the dressing room. I'm the funniest fucking bastard you know, Joe. I'd be brilliant in that dressing room. But I'll tell you now, Peter piece of shit, I'd be fucking rubbish at football. Same as Danielson. Patrick Vieira has never been someone who sits in front of the back four and kicks people. That's what Alexander Song does. It's what Gilberto does. It's what Cloud Makaleli apparently invented as an art form. It's hey, what, what Mikel and Essien do. Um, what would Patrick Vieira do? Are you going to play him instead of Fabregas? No. You're going to play him instead of Alexander Song? So he gets the ball, tries and career forward, but oh shit, his back's gone again. There's a big old, and all the beautiful romantic memories we had of Patrick Vieira have disappeared because we've got a sad old fucking man wearing a number 31 shirt and making a fucking embarrassment of himself. We didn't need him. We need Miguel Beloso. We need um, Blaise Matuidi. We need a 24-year-old international who can fill that role so Alex Song can have a bit of a rest here every now and again because we're relying on a fucking 20-year-old who was shit fucking awful 18 months ago who is now the fulcrum on which our team and relative success this year is built no we didn't need Patrick Vieira Manchester City are welcome to him and I just hope he doesn't embarrass himself and anyone else got any comments on Vieira and the- all I say is this podcast have picked off big star I love it yeah yeah <laughs> I would have I love the, I love the Veloso comments by the way I mean if, if I could have chosen somebody to bring in it would have been him about two years ago and, and I'm, I still wouldn't be opposed to it now I think the irony is, uh, if the concept of as a villain for Song was mooted, uh, he is injured now, and he probably will be injured until the end of January, and probably play his first game for City around the time that Song gets back. So, 
I mean, in fairness to the player himself, he's got ambitions to try and make the France team for the World Cup finals. He needs games. You know, he needs to prove himself. He would not have got that at Arsenal. Um, Couldn't he have played into Diaby, for instance? Um, I think Song has proved that he's irreplaceable, well, at least for now. Song, the manager's a hypocrite. Manager tells us after every Carlin Cup game, I could put this team in the Premier League and then finish fifth. Tells us after every FA Cup game how wonderful they are. He gives five-year contracts to Henry Lansbury, who's just about getting in the Watford team. If that they're if they're that good, bring them in your matchday squad. Don't just give them ten minutes at the end when the opposition are knackered and we're three 0 up. Mm. You know, play them at home against shit like Stoke, against fucking relegation fodder like Burnley. If they're as good as that, you play them. But you won't. Henry Lansbury will turn into nothing because Spike Bat has got a fight. He's one of the, you know, our myriad of players signed up to 2046 on these ridiculous long-term contracts at exorbitant wages. He'll never play a first-team game for Arsenal. Poor, poor Fran Marida, who's told that he's the next big thing, he's the new Cesc Fabregas after Aaron Ramsey, who's the next new fa- Cesc Fabregas, goes off on his way to Manchester United. So, Fran, if you stick around to your 28, you'll get 10 games a year. I hope Fran Marida goes to Atletico Madrid, because he deserves more than being lied to by Arsene Wenger. What worries me is that um, you give someone like Lansbury a long contract with the thought being that you've insured yourself against them going for nothing in the way that uh, Flamini did. However, if you give them a really decent contract, they're not going to want to go because there's no way they would earn the same kind of money at another club. So you do leave yourself open to the danger of these guys hanging around like unwanted guests. Like the Kerry Gilbert syndrome. Yeah, and, and so... you've got to be a bit picky and choosy about who you give these extended contracts to unless by some chance the manager has some great faith in Mansbury but if he really did that A he wouldn't be on loan and B he would be a first team squad player which he patiently isn't I so wish he'd um, had some faith in Flamini and kept him but at this point, I think we're going to have to cut it short and say the usual reminder is if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast, the address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again to our sponsors. Goonashirts.com. Is that what it is? Yeah, Goonashirts.com. Goonashirts.com. Goonashirts. Goonashirts.com. Yeah. And I think we reached a crescendo there. And before we finish, a few words about the current issue of the Guna from Kevin. It's got a free 2010 calendar within celebrating the greatest moments of the last 10 years at Arsenal and all the usual goodies. But with the calendar, it works out a 64-page issue and it'll be on sale at... Assuming we don't reschedule the Bolton game, it'll be on sale at the Man United game at the end of January. And uh, all your usual favourites. And just time for a quick farewell from the panel. David. Thank you, guys. Mark. Cheerio. Kevin. Arrivederci. And this is your host, Joe Broadfoot. Thanks for listening. la dee da dee da la dee da dee dee All good friends and jolly good company. Hey!